Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray. And make no mistake, this is your source for all things black and gold. Football just wouldn't be football without Berwick Rangers. Stand by for this edition of the Let It BRFC podcast. Welcome to the Let It BRFC podcast. I'm Adam Hunter and I'm joined on co-hosting duties by Kevin Haynes. Hey Kev, how are you? Good, Adam. How are yourself? Very well, thank you. Um, back training next week. How much yep. are you looking forward to it? Uh, I can't wait. Um, can't wait to see all the smiling faces again. Um, obviously, it's going to be totally different in terms of the structure and the layout of how how we work um, within the guidelines. Um, and I don't know if I think we're going to be under a bit more scrutiny. Um, be training at, at somebody else's facility. Um, so uh, it's it's going to be different, totally different. It's still Pepper Mill. Yes, Aye. but Pepper Mill are only letting two clubs in, and they're going to use us as basically the template, and they're going to see how it goes. And so there's there's us in one other club that's that's going to be in. Who else trains so, there? Edinburgh Uni, um, Edinburgh City do for a bit of the season before um, they go to Norium. Um, I don't, that's about the Hibs ladies train there. Um, that's about it on the Tuesday, Thursdays at VC, so I don't know who changed there the other nights. So is it full, the full squad that's going to be in next week? Yes, but we have to, we have to split our training park into basically four groups. Right. So, so the gaffer will have a group, I'll have a group, Daz will have a group, and Bev will have the goalies. Um, because it's a limited number that you can have per group. And then obviously, with the guidelines that come out Thursday or whatever, we can then, I think we're a fortnight away before we can do contact. Right. But again, I don't know how clear it is in terms of, can you do contact within your small group or can you do contact within a large group? I don't know, are they going to allow... 22 bodies running about kicking and sneezing on each other and breathing on each other and slight tackling, I don't know. <laughs> What's it look like from a pre-season perspective? Is it like a beast to start with for the first few weeks and lots of running? Or? What, we, what we generally do is we have a hard six weeks. So we're kind of, we're going to go in, it's going to be nine weeks effectively before the start of the season. So the first three weeks is going to incorporate the, the two weeks of non-contact stuff. So it'll be very, very light and it'll just be a, a phased return almost. Boys have not kicked a ball in six months. Uh, you've got so, to be careful because otherwise you're going to get injuries, aren't you? Uh, so if we come back in and do a hard, pre- a hard six weeks, um, you're going to get injuries. And I keep telling the players that they can't kid on a kidder. So I would have pulled up with an injury. So I, <laughs> I know for a fact there'll be some of them pulling up the injuries if that was the case. Well, and just be ready for the first game of the season. Aye, I, I think I that's me out for the eight weeks. Oh. Aye, I used to pay the physio to put me out for six weeks, come back for the game. You, you picked up a few fines as well, didn't you? Nah. Again, that's something else is misunderstood. <laughs> Rumours and lies. How's the studying for the diploma going? Hard to fit in, if I'm honest. 
just um, obviously full time work and full time life, and it's going to be even worse coming next week when I go football. Add in it, yeah. Um, but it's it's no, it's it's getting a night and, and, it, and it takes over a night. Um, just sitting down and getting a full night that you can look at stuff and um, because it, it goes live on a Monday, so you're kind of chasing your tail. If you've not caught up the Monday session by the Thursday, Friday, you know it's coming around again on Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a bit of a mad panic to try and free up a night and and do everything that you need to do because there's there's obviously classes that you're catching up on and there's tasks that you need to do and. We got hit last Sunday with a 750-word essay to be in for Wednesday. Day. I've never done an essay since 1997 in English. <laughs> so, structuring that wasn't great. It was a bit of a panic. Um, made worse than Kevin Mossy. He wasn't even born in 97. So. Oh, no. What are you training? Are you training Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday? Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, sorry. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, aye. Uh, starting a Saturday though. Starting a Saturday, boys haven't got an excuse not to turn up. Starting a Tuesday, they could be saying they're working late. <laughs> is any of them still furloughed? Callum Smith is. Aye, um, uh, still furloughed for his work. Um, I think majority of them are back. So you've got no excuse, Callum. I expect you to be the fittest day. Just can't he wait? He's saying he's looking, he's looking tanned and thin, and he's looking a million dollars. Still not got a bit of hair in his head, but it's looking good. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, for our guests this week, we have Dale Jones and Martin Ingalls. Hi guys, how are you? Not too bad, thanks Adam. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm good. But you, Dale? I am good, mate. Uh, cheers for having us on. I, uh, I won't lie, you know, I told you I was in, I'm back in the gym now. They're open down here. Um, I'm sitting uncomfortably the day like I enjoy it though. Aye, it's been it's been good. Like I also find, to be fair, that it helps us mentally. It just makes us a bit happier. Um, recently, you've been heavily involved in the launch of uh, Club Eighteen Eighty One deal. John, talk to us a little bit around that. Aye, so uh, it, club, the club was something that um, was first kind of muted as an idea around January time, actually. So it was it was literally within weeks of the new board kind of coming in and taking charge, and even while it was still forming. Um, and if I remember rightly, I think it was Craig Forsyth's idea um, and maybe Dave Bugles has chipped in a little bit along the way as well. But I basically, at the time, it was it was um, muted as a, as a potential solution to the problem that every club faces in that, um, you know, you, you play nine months of the year, you're getting the gate revenues, you're getting match sponsorships, you're getting, you know, all your hospitality money, you're getting even merchandise through club shop sales, things like that. You've got constant revenue stream. Then you get to the three months of summer where you, you've got your usual off-season. At that point, obviously, we didn't know that the off-season was going to be much bigger than three months, as it has been. But, um, you know, what basically happens is that the revenue into the club completely stops. And as a club that has hemorrhaged money for the best part of the last five years, um, you know, we've been making loss after loss. That Actually, we needed to find a way to get some income into the club and some revenue and generate some revenue, sorry, um, throughout those summer months. So the idea of Club 1881 was originally just to make sure there's a way to get um, our supporters to help make the football club essentially more viable and more sustainable throughout those summer months, originally anyway. Um, so at that point in time, we had no idea of what it really looked like. Um, and then 
obviously COVID kicked in and we kind of kick-started all of these one-off um, fundraising activities. So, you know, things like the in one fund where we've raised probably almost £15,000 and um, donate a ticket where fans just went absolutely mental. And, you know, from them, we were able to see that fans have the um, willingness, you know, the, the goodwill's there to, to give to the club when the club asks for it. But something myself and I know Martin, whenever I've spoke with you, you've agreed with this, uh, you know, we, we became conscious of is that we can't just continue asking fans to make the club viable by just plunging their money and time and time again for these one-off events where in reality we give absolutely nothing back as a club so you know donate a ticket for example you're paying for a virtual ticket to a fixture that never exists you don't, you know you don't get anything out of it um so even as donate a ticket you know when we joined the scottish cup thing for example me and martin well i won't speak for martin but myself i didn't want us to do it at that point because i was like you go into the fans a little bit too much that's when we kind of came back and revisited the idea of club 1881 um and then we looked at it as okay well it can be a solution not only to kind of creating that revenue stream but also a solution for um rewarding fans and thanking them for their support because ultimately it needs to be that two-way um street um so i had a meeting with craig and nathan um, and we started fleshing out the benefits and we looked at the value proposition of it essentially um and that's when we decided that it include things like your you know your match admission um you know it's got discounts it's got the raffle entry um for a year's free membership it's got the bond scheme number so you can end up winning 200 quid and it pays for itself anyway you know it's, it's got the kind of exclusive content um it's got the quarterly management meetings um so kev you'll be you'll be on the on the zoom calls again um tuning in with the 1881 club, club members where they can don't know if Jano knows that yet <laughs> <laughs> he'll be pulling up with an injury as well <laughs> So, you know, we started looking at it as, as essentially how can we actually give something back as a football club to the fans who are helping make us um, a sustainable entity, essentially, because ultimately what the club needs to do at the minute is get back to not posting losses every season because we can't afford to. You know, the future w was looking bleak maybe only six months ago. Now it's looking a lot better. I remember the donator ticket uh, thing there, me and you were chatting about it and just saying, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. Can't but Dave was really pushing it, pushing it, pushing it, and then... <laughs> When that Steny game came up and obviously it was neck and neck that first round and I think we ended up getting 350, I think it was. And he was so chuffed. Fair play to Mikey. He pushed it and it was successful. And I mean, we got we got through, well, was what did we get to the quarterfinal or the semifinal? I can't remember. Dave bought 299 tickets he sold though. Aye, and like you say, to be fair to Dave, he, he did get that one spot on and we've said that since, you know, and it's a credit to the fans that have kind of got behind the club and continue to do that. Um, but yeah, just to go back to kind of what Club 1881 is, you know, the product, and we've been very conscious of this, the product that we're marketing is fans helping make Berracrange sustainable and then you're rewarded with the benefits. The, the product is not you know, your match admission, things like that. It's, it's completely the other way around. And I think that's been a big part of why it's been able to resonate so well with fans. Um, and, you know, we set an initial target of 50, 50 members um, and that's been absolutely smashed. I think we're up to just, uh, just shy of 70 at the minute. And we're looking at, you know, changing the targets. I think personally, um, I feel as though three figures is more than achievable. Um, if you look at the percentages, uh, I find it, 
crazy, but 66% of our membership at the minute is from outside of Northumberland and the Scottish borders. So people who are nowhere near Berwick who aren't going to come to games anyway, who still want to back the team and you know play a part in making Berwick Rangers um, again a viable entity, but also a success. But then again, what that also shows is that you know only 33% are from Berwick. There's room there for us to do more with that those people and get them members in as well, which is why I'm quite excited about the future. And you know I feel as though we can still grow um, that membership base. And I think that number from Berwick anyway, the percentage from Berwick will probably increase because to, to many people, match admission probably will matter. And once there's clarity around the fixtures and whether fans are going to be allowed into games, hopefully that again um, gives a little bit of spike in terms of uh, members signing up. I think sept- yeah. September's the, the the stadium entrance, isn't it? Right. S- September so. the twenty fourth or something like that is when they're allowed to to allow supporters in, but obviously it's social distancing and um, hygiene measures. But clarity that. I definitely. I mean, I'm maybe looking at it quite simplistically, but if I'm from Berwick and I'm a regular at the home games, the way I look at it anyway is I'm going to pay a tenner to go to two home games in a month, every month anyway, during the season. I could join Club 1881 and technically you're, you're kind of making a saving, but then you're just committing to those summer months. But again, we've seen that the will, the goodwill is there from fans to also support us through those summer months. And ultimately, it's going to be that goodwill that helps us build a more competitive squad on the pitch, as we're going to see this, well, hopefully you're going to see this uh, season. No pressure, Kev. <laughs> going to feel pressure, sorry. <laughs> Why, um, why do you think that the higher percentages come from out with Berwick? Well, there must be a reason behind that. Uh, to be honest, I just feel as though you know, there's quite a lot of people who move away from Berwick, and I, I do feel as though people always have that kind of attachment to back home, and you know, they've grown up watching Berwick, whatever it might be, and they do genuinely still want to see the club do well. And obviously, in the last probably decade or so we've slid into well down into where we are at this point in time um, and I think there's genuinely a willingness there to see Berwick rebuild and that's not necessarily to say we're gonna um, climb back into the Scottish leagues or anything like that but it's, it's to make us a better club and what we're seeing the club do at the minute is you know things like connecting to the community massively like people want to see those feel-good stories even if they're not around to actually experience it themselves I think. How did you go about putting it together? Um, again, so it was, well, we've got, a, we've got a kind of media team group chat. So there's me, Martin, Craig, Dave, Graham Gurney, Nathan Thompson and yourself all in there. So um, that was probably formed over kind of months of, like we say, it was, it was back in January when this idea was first muted. So um, formed back in January and then it's been months of kind of conversations and, you know, just running little ideas by each other. And then it eventually got to that meeting with Nathan and Craig where we actually fleshed it out. And I think Nathan took that to the board with Craig um, and, you know, as a, as a kind of financial proposal to make sure that Brian as the chairman and, you know, the rest of the board were all happy with it and saw it as something that would actually benefit the club. Um, in kind of creating it, so it's a, it's a strange one because we've... We've launched it, but we're actually behind quite a few clubs now. A lot of clubs are doing very similar things, I've noticed. Um, for example, Clyde, I know, have done something fairly similar. I'm not so sure on their package. I think it's more of a kind of like a, almost like a voucher thing that you meant to use. Um, but 
in the week or two just before we launched ours. I know it's like Dundalk over in Ireland had done it. Um, and that's was literally just through following them through Beric's account. I've got no idea why Beric's Twitter account follows Dundalk, but um, <laughs> I'd, noticed, uh, I'd noticed that. So I got in touch with them, had a little chat with them about it and seen, you know, the kind of success that they'd had and heard what we could maybe expect. Uh, and one of the, to be fair, one of the good things about what we've done, even though we're made, well, I wouldn't say we're late to the, the party, but I'd say that, you know, there's a couple that have done it before us now that we've been able to learn from, um, is that we're now in a position to offer out that advice. So earlier this week, I was speaking to a guy from Nen County, for example, who, you know, not a massive team or anything, but it's good that we're being seen as leaders now. I think Trinette Juniors launched something similar a couple of weeks before we did. Um, I noticed that. I think that was to raise funds to get rid of the manager. <laughs> Surely they've got enough money after the donator ticket thing. Aye, some controversy. Like, I tell you what, that Facebook group was going wild. You better be leaving this in, Adam. <laughs> well, are you close to Club 81 in the future? Um, well, uh, I suppose first and foremost is to, is to maintain that membership. We've done really well to get it up to about 70 already. So before we actually consider, you know, going on to reach that 100, you want to make sure that we've got everybody signed up, paid, and more to the point, happy with what they're getting. Um, and that kind of touches on fan feedback. And to bring it back to what Kev said earlier, I remember what I was going to say now. Um, another reason that people from out of town have... Um, you know kind of connected with this idea is because we've listened to them so when we launched the club initially um, fans from outside the outside the town basically got in touch with us on Facebook you know things like that and said to us we like it but it doesn't really offer us the same value as someone from Berwick because they get to go and actually make use of the free match admission whereas we can never use that so we chatted about it again in the WhatsApp group, and I think it was Dave's idea this time who said, um, you know, well, let's just, we record the games anyway, let's just stick up either an extended highlights package or the full 90 minutes. And from there, we, we've already tried over the summer, um, you know, the live streaming on Facebook. So we were putting Berwick v Rangers, Berwick v Celtic Cup games out there, and we knew it could be a success. So it was just a case of, well, yeah, let's stick that. 90 minutes footage on we can put it on a private youtube page and set fire the link out and then they get to recreate a match day at home on a tuesday night whenever it might be um and they can just sit with a beer or whatever they want to do and watch the full 90 minutes and give them that experience of being a barrack rangers fan so in terms of you know the hopes for the future i'd hope that we continue to listen to fan feedback on it um but i'd also hope that we we can continue to expand the benefits of a club 1881 and again i think we've got the full backing of the board in being able to do that um, I'd also say that, you know, we are already looking at what we can do. I've already touched on that and that, you know, there's, there's a, another potential perk that we're looking at adding as, as the season kind of gears up to get going again. And hopefully we'll have a little bit more information, uh, information on that for fans in the near future. And again, I think another, another thing that I'd like it to become in the future is, is kind of leading. I, I know Berwick are a massive club, but there's no reason other clubs can't look to us to as as you know the people who do it best and we've got an unbelievably talented team you know the the, the board are doing a smashing job as the volunteers we've got are unbelievable and um, i'll probably give at this point a shout out to nathan because i think he's been brilliant since coming on i think not only in terms of the work that he's doing for the board which hopefully people have read about and heard about on his podcasts and you know his little articles and things like that but 
Um, also the work that you, you know me and Martin are in a separate group with him and he's, he's just constantly getting things done and that is what the club has needed for so long and he also represents me and Martin really well I think and ultimately I think although me and Martin are volunteers of the club all we are really are fans and what Nathan does really well is to acknowledge that and understand that we can offer him and yourself included um, and that you know we can offer him the feeling of fans and the fan base and make sure that that's represented at a board level as well. We've talked a little bit about your <clears throat> current involvement with the club. Um, do you want to detail that out a little bit more? I can certainly try, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having to be quiet now. I can't drink as much on a way as I think next season. <laughs> uh, otherwise, Kev will put them boxing lessons to good use. <laughs> <laughs> Kev, can you remember the other week when we were talking about uh, the friendship derby? And someone handing out Maltese as it outside the turnstiles of Clyde. Yes, uh, it was Dale. I I wasn't I was I messaged Adam after that. I wasn't happy with how it was presented. It made us sound like a right roaster. So you want to you want to clear it up then and make it sound better? Well, can you make bit. it sound better? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> so so the reason the the, the thing I was least unha- most unhappy with was the reason of the friendship derby never got mentioned. So the friendship derby came about because there was two games left of the season um, and it was us, Clyde and Cowden down the bottom. The second last game of the season, we've got Clyde away and a point for both teams means we both definitely stay up. They go down into the playoffs. So straight away, everyone's online chatting with each other. I'll just take the draw. Nobody needs to do anything. We don't even need to score a goal. Uh, in the end, you know, both teams were kind to each other, let each, let each other score a goal and celebrate. We drew 1-1. And then the, the dream was that we were sending Cowden down together. And, and unfortunately, that never never quite came true. And maybe Karma's hit us a little bit harder than it hit Clyde. <laughs> Aye, sorry. So to, so to go back to the, to the question, uh, my involvement in the club, I, uh, I'm volunteering directly with the club again. Something I've done in the past, to be fair, you know, I've run the website and the social media platforms before as well. Um, and again, that's kind of kind of what I'm doing at the minute. One of the things that's definitely been a positive about the, the new board is that they're very open and very receptive. And, you know, they're, they're inclusive as to our views because they know that we're not just running that, but we can have an input in that and, and you know, help the club. Um, to progress so we're in as I say we're in whatsapp groups we're also on the the club slack so there's a number of private channels on the slack that we can't see things like finances and things like that so we don't need to see them um, but there's also public things so uh, to just to give an idea or drag it up so there's channels for club 1881 digital platforms the girls and women's program you know your podcast the kits things like that there's, there's a channel for pretty much everything so um, we're in there. So although we are, you know, volunteers who are running the platforms of the club, uh, we're also kind of helping guide the direction of what the the board are doing as well. It's the future future chairman sitting there. I think that'd be very controversial, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one will happen anytime soon. <laughs> What's been your favourite memories over the years, Dale? There's not been many. Like <laughs> um, Tom was going away, Cowden. Oh. That's genuinely the best goal I've ever seen live. I know it was heavily wind-assisted. The dugout blew over before the game. What a strike it was. Um, my first my first full season supporting Berwick was 06-07, so definitely the highlight has been watching Kev and the boys 
uh, win the league, and then it's, it's kind of maybe been a bit all downhill from there, to be honest. Starting off well, and it's just been down the way since. Aye, but you're back now, so don't worry about it. We'll, we'll hand <laughs> the way back. Um, in terms of what my, my favourite things are these days, it is those away days. For me, it's it's more about uh, you know meeting your, your group of mates on a Saturday, getting on the train or the bus or whatever it is, and heading up the road with a few drinks. You know, some of the away days have been unreal. You've mentioned Cowden, so there was the the free wear, free one where Tomos hit that goal, uh, his late header in the one nil. You've got the friendship derbies you've mentioned. Peter Coulter, I've got to mention Mike Bell because I've never seen a man drink as much in all my life. Bolty as the as the undertaker on an away day he was that mortal. He's lying on the train floor and then he just sat up and said tombstone. I've never I've, I've still no idea what that was about. Ronan King of away days. Martin, I love I love you when you refuse to drink. Uh, you know it's like half nine train or whatever, and Martin will say I'm no drinking till Dunbar. The myth that like. Nah, it's true. Like you're gonna be drinking twelve hours anyway, and you think the half an hour is gonna make a difference? <laughs> uh, you've, got, you've got Pappy and D squabbling. You've got Brooksy with an IQ of about three, um, getting getting himself chucked out of Gretna and that bummer and tie the 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 young team. Uh, like you know, you've just got a a massive group of idiots, and it just works perfectly every time. I've I don't think I've ever had a bad away day. So that's Bobby, certainly Bobby Trot. Oh. How could I forget Trotter? Man, Trotter's my favourite of the lot. I saw uh, Ty had put a tweet out this morning saying something like, uh, "No better than when you're in Falkirk and Trotter just you turn around and Trotter's just there with 24 Jager bombs." I think I'm going to start traveling the games you use. <laughs> you'd be more than welcome. You do drink us. I was looking this morning actually. At, um, I was speaking to speaking to Ronan and Kev, as you know, from when Ronan came on. He's I think he's got a bit of a fetish for John Coughlin. Like, oh, um, we better. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I was looking at looking at when he first took charge, and our record from then was absolutely insane. We called it the heavy entertainment era. We had um, the best one for me was um, Sterling at home, one 0 up from the first minute. Uh, got to the ninety second minute, and they've got a shot, a shot away, and uh, Brian Martin's palmed it over the bar, got himself sent off, and given away the pen. And uh, so the refs, you know, he's pointed to the spot. Brian Martin's supposed to be away in the tunnel. He's no, he's he's got the head like dipping out of it, and that he's like basically in the in the dugout. Uh, they take the penalty, miss, and he's celebrating away. Full time <laughs> whistle goes, and he's like trying to get back on the park and that to come celebrate with the boys. I've never seen it like it. Absolutely unreal. There's a picture of him uh, that normally does the rounds on Twitter where he's palming it over the bar and someone's drawn a goalkeeper top on him. <laughs> But like in paint, so I'll tweet that out. That's class, man. Do you know Brian, Kev? Yes, I know Brian. I I played against him a lot through the years. What's he like? No as good as me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian's alright. Brian's a good guy. Um, if I remember right, he was always very pacey, and I don't know how he how he was when he kind of got to Berwick. It was later on in his career, wasn't he? But. Um, he was always pacey and he, he always played, he played in defence when he was at better centre half or, or left back, didn't he? But he played further up the park in his younger years, played left midfield or um, up in the left wing or whatever. So he's obviously dropped back as he got older, but no, great guy, good lad. I, he does seem a good guy. I mean, there's been away days we've been, when Cheltenham's on because he loves the horses, doesn't he? So we've been tweeting him for tips on the way up on the bus and that. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> I think he owns a horse or something, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Does he? Uh, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he's an owner, aye. I saw you tweet about uh, uh, a 
cumulative uh, yesterday. Did you have that on, Kev? Um, Two fifty-four a grand and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't me. <laughs> Sorry. That's, um, no, my, my my mate at work he does a an algorithm type um, stats based um, table that works out. Uh, you know the the likelihood of what should win a race on on the conditions and for everything, everything like that. Kevin, your, your voice has got a little bit quieter in the last minute or so. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so he was. Uh, yeah, that's me. Put that. Out. Aye, so that was that. Who been your favourite players over the year, Dill? Ah, Kev, you must love it when folk come on this podcast because it's always you. And it. It's always that's the same. That's why Dennis hasn't come on because he's not got Kevin. He's Starting eleven yet? <laughs> I better be in Dennis's squad. I'll, I'll take the nineteenth man. Mate, he's still at sixty. Thirty of them are goalkeepers. <laughs> still there. Aye, Kev. It was it was all about you for me as a youth. Like I mind um, after mind the Stenny game after we'd won the league away. I came up to you on the pitch and I asked, uh, "Could I get your boots?" I don't know why I wanted your boots, like, but. You said no, like, but I suppose to be fair, we got beat that day, so no win bonus probably couldn't have afforded a new pair. I think I'd give my boots out the following week. I mind as well. Uh, I, would have, I would have gave you them. I was... Oh, you're a good lad. You could, we'll we'll okay. arrange a meet. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mind as well when we had Falkirk in the cup and all the Berwick fans were in the main stand for the day, so they, I think they had a throw in and some boys went doing as if you've elbowed them. Um, we were talking about that not long ago, Adam. Jack Ross, Hibs manager. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd, I thought that's what you were referring to in the podcast when we were talking about. Um, and you've you've went up to him and you've grabbed him by the shirt while he's on the floor. And with one hand, mind, he's picked him up off the ground like the knees actually left <laughs> the ground. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Uh, in terms of since then, um, to be honest, not that many that you you know. There's been cult heroes, and that there's not been that many that are. A proper, a proper legends or anything like that. I don't think, but in terms of talent, I think Lee Curry was unbelievable player. Uh, and in terms of the current squad, I think we've got a really good group of guys. I think every time you hear the likes of Lewis Barr and Kevin Woff talk, um, you can you can see that they're the kind of guys that you want around the club. So I think we're we're definitely in a decent position at the minute in terms of having put together a squad of decent guys. That's quite evident to, to us this year that that the good people, mm-hmm. you know, like before, I've, I've worked in squads and and I'm not I'm not saying that that um, in fact I've played in squads and it's not been great people and that they might end up being a no bad side but the 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 really good teams all seem to be good people that get on. Aye. Um, and and this 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 we've kind of made a wee plan this year that we're. That we're getting we we groups of uh, friends, you know. Maybe we've got a group of four or five of them that all hang about together with Kevin Wong, Craig Reed, and Kieran Somerville, and all these guys. They're 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 friends away from football. So we're we're, we're trying to create this this wee group like uh, you know Ewan Smith and Fozzie and um, you know these these are these are groups of people that that. Um, you know, see each other 
out with football. Aye. And to be fair, I think one of the things that me and Martin are hoping that we can do, and I know we've spoke with Nathan quite a lot on it as well, is kind of actually help fans connect with the players and show off the players' personalities a bit more because they are all good guys. Um, you know, the, the the little podcasts, mini podcasts that you've been doing with them, um, Adam, like the one with you and Smith the other day I really enjoyed, uh, and Ali Foster as well, um, uh, which you can hear exclusively first as a member of Club 1881, by the way. Um, you know, but they do a good job of um, showing off the, the personalities and making them feel more like humans rather than folk that you come along and abuse for 90 minutes on a Saturday, you know. We, they are good guys and I think the, the whole club would be better off by getting to know them and getting behind them. Yeah, and I, I, to add to that, I think over the years, you know, um, like the Berwick fans, not necessarily Berwick fans, but people in the town of Berwick have often criticised the club for not having enough, Kevin, you're probably sick to death of hearing stuff like this, but like not having enough local players in the team. Um, and whether that's because they can't connect with the players as people or not, I, I don't know, but like like Dale says, it's it's about trying to put um, the players at the forefront of the club and not and not kind of like what's going on in the boardroom, which I think has been probably a problem that's plagued the club for the best part of the last decade. Definitely, it's something that that, that we done as a squad. We we always uh, and Gary O'Connor was a big massive. I've said this a million times. Gary O'Connor was a big massive driving force and. And the, and the leader within our changing room at that time. But Gary would make sure we all went into the black and gold and, and have a pint. And, you know, whether you had, a, you had a juice or you spent 10 minutes or you had half an hour or you had an hour, whatever it was, you went in and, and you engaged with the supporters. And I think that bread, or that helps to breed that wee bit of success, you know, between, you know, certain groups. Um, Anxie and talked about that as well, didn't he? He said that they used to go in, win or loss, and sometimes you get a bit of heat about like the performance or whatever, or sometimes it would be after a win and someone would buy him a pint sort of thing. Uh, I was maybe a bit fortunate because we were, in my time, we were quite successful, you know, finishing finishing second and, and just missing out in the league on goal difference and then winning the league the following year. So we, we probably didn't see that side yet, <laughs> um, you know, the grief and, and the heat. But... Um, it certainly helped, and we try and encourage our players now to to go upstairs and when the the, the sponsors are there, and um, we Daniel and Lewis Barr and even you Wasi, when you they used to go in and sit and have a cup of tea and um, interact with people sitting there. So it's something that we try and encourage. Yeah. Um, like, I, like I know, like I know, times have changed and stuff, and over the last ten years, and you know. Players are maybe a bit more, um, well, players can't. If players drive down, they can't go for a drink after the game. It's as, it's, it's as simple as that, really. So it is a bit difficult, but I know for a fact that for the people who are up there, whether corporate season ticket holders or match sponsors, they really um, kind of appreciate it when, when the players do come in, even if it's just for kind of sort of half an hour, 45 minutes after after the I game. Think- I think also it's a, bit, it's a bit of a two-way street as well, isn't it? It's not just bringing the fans closer to the players. It's helping the players build a connection. In you know, in, in the last decade, we've lost decent players. Um, you know that we've offered decent um, deals to, like so, so for example, Blair Henderson, uh, Ewan McNeil, guys like that who are really good players. Um, and we've we've lost them because there isn't any real connection there. And if you look at how things are being done differently now, and I'm not saying that Lewis Barr has stayed around because of 
any work that we've done or anything like that. But there's definitely a connection there with Lewis. Lewis was a guy I was absolutely cringing at, uh, the young team up at Cove. Mind when we went down and yeah. the young team are, are like slamming him and Jack Cook. And they're the only two boys with the, enough bottle to come over to the fans mm. after the game, after we've been relegated. Um, and, you know, Lewis has had, probably had offers on the table from bigger clubs than us, probably had more money on the table uh, elsewhere. And yet he's stuck around. And I think that is because we've actually been able to make a bit of a connection and make him enjoy his time at the club. So yeah, it definitely and, works both ways. And the more effort you put into it, the more reward you reap. Aye. And like you talk about the effort there. So you had the, the COVID extension of the furlough payments and you've had this diploma thing, which Kevin, a handful of the players have gone on as well. And that's kind of helping to helping to develop these players perfect, like in their professional careers as well as... Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, again, it just makes them feel feel valued and it makes it feel as though the club's gone the extra mile for them. Yeah, definitely. Club 1881 is your opportunity to be part of a community of Dream Team supporters helping to transform the club's financial fortunes. For just £18.81 per month, you can help your club become a more sustainable one, safeguarding the future of Berwick Rangers Football Club and building a solid foundation for the club to target future success from. Club 1881 members receive access to exclusive JERS content ranging from podcasts to videos, player interviews to meet the management team sessions, newsletters to club shop sales and more. And if that wasn't enough, all Club 1881 members will gain free admission to all home Lowland League fixtures, where they might even scoop a £200 jackpot through the bond scheme number also included in their membership fee. To become a Club 1881 member today, simply head to berwickrangers.com slash shop slash club 1881. One team, your team, dream team. So the Supporters Club had their AGM on Thursday night. How did that go? It went okay. I think you were, you were obviously present there. Um, but yeah, I think obviously it's been, a, it's been an interesting year. It's been a difficult year. Um, obviously, I came back... I, Worked up in Glasgow for four years, came back in March last year um, and then joined the committee last June um, and became vice chairman of the committee um, alongside Matty. Um, and kind of over the past, well, in the lead up to the football club AGM, obviously everything was going on. People had opinions on what was going on at the football club and like we were faced with a very difficult decision and it was one that we could affect um, and few people, few other organisations or people could. So um, it got to the AGM and yeah, we ended up making, like we spent a hell of a lot of time in the build-up, talking, deliberating what was going to be best. It was a a massive risk um, and it was certainly not a decision that, any one of us on the committee took lightly. Um, and at the end of the day, um, what happened, happened. Um, incredibly grateful um, to, to Brian Hoyes, who, who came back. We'd, I'd spoken to him a couple of times in, in the lead up and he was kind of, um, I spoke to him at a game and he was kind of felt a little bit, was he disheartened with, with what he was seeing? And, and yeah, he, at the end of the day, he didn't have to come back, but he did um, because he loves the football club. And I think, obviously, we were massively appreciative of that. And 
I think over the sort of the past five to six months, he's put together a, a team of excellent directors and associate directors, all of whom have skills in completely different areas that can all help towards the success of the football club. Um, and particularly, I think it's, I think it was perhaps Dave's idea to advertise for directors. And we've got, um, correct me if I'm wrong, two from out of town in Graham Gurney and Gary Burns. And I think that just kind of shows as well the, that we are looking outwardly. We're not just looking at people from Berwick to be directors of Berwick Rangers Football Club. And I think it's refreshing that they don't have any kind of awareness of what's gone on at the football club in the past. And it's kind of like just a complete blank canvas to, to them. And yeah, I mean, to date, we, we couldn't have been happier with how things have gone. And and yeah, it's and obviously in the AGM, that was my addressed all of that stuff in his, in his chairman's report. and and. Like you say, things are going. What things appear to be going well? Um, obviously, COVID, COVID hit, and if anything, the the lack of what's been going on on the football pitch has arguably be, been beneficial to us, and certainly from a media team perspective, and that we can um, sort of arrange campaigns such as Club Eighteen Eighty One. There's time there where you can kind of work towards kind of wider marketing projects. Um, so this is more from a club point of view than the supporters club point of view, but um, but yeah, it's, it's been been really good. And obviously in the in the AGM, um, we addressed kind of with with COVID hitting, it's obviously affected a number of our revenue streams into the supporters club. So we c- couldn't do the halftime draw. Um, we didn't have income from users of Shieldfield Park. So obviously the Speedway are a massive income for the supporters club which obviously in turn then goes to the football club they've not been they've not been running and probably won't for or pretty much won't certainly not officially for the for the remainder of the year um and then users of of old shieldfield as well um so yeah it's been a it's a it's been a massive massively challenging few months but something where looking at where we are now is has been pretty worth it i would say i remember that agm that you that you referred back to turn of the year. I've never felt so uncomfortable in a in a in in a room in my life that night. Um, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. It was. It was. Uh, I think it was. I, cause I I remember seeing you guys there, and I'm like, oh, what are they gonna What are they gonna think of us coming in here and doing and doing this? And I think probably the reaction in in the in the immediate aftermath of it was obviously you were gutted with what had happened and and perhaps couldn't understand what had happened and like that was especially difficult for us knowing that knowing that yous were yous were there on the night. Um, it, was just, it? It, was, it was just never a situation that that I had been in um, and obviously it's different when there's um, being a PLC, you know what I mean? And, and the club run differently, but it just looked that night. It was just horrendous. It was just try to process it, process what was going on, uh, uh, and then obviously Brian stepping up, saying that he was going to take over. And um, in my opinion, I worked with John Bell for at that time four or five months, and I knew John from when he was on the was he the the trust yeah. years yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, when I played at the club and 
it was just horrible. I think John, I think John Bell carried a can for a lot of stuff that that happened. Yeah, prior, been, prior to him coming in, as Dale kind of said, the obviously the club was on a projected decline for well over a decade. Yeah. Mm. Aye. No, it was, it was it was really uncomfortable at night, really. But you know, we've, we've turned a corner and, it, and it's proved to be a great decision. You know what I mean? It's I think we're seeing the fruits of that already. Mm-hmm. Um, so aye. So apart from my apart from me being uncomfortable, it's been good. <laughs> Do you feel well supported by the board? Yes. Aye. There's never anything that we've that we've asked for up to now. Um, they're, they've never declined it. Um, they've been very transparent since day one. You know, Brian came in and said that budgets will be cut, X, Y, Z. And what, what I like about Brian is Brian doesn't bend. Mm-hmm. Brian says this, Brian will stick to that. You know what I mean? And you, there's chairmen that I've worked with where you can, for your own benefit, you can, you can bend them a wee bit to get X, Y, or Z. Brian doesn't it. Brian's straight in the line, and you're getting this. You're not getting that, and that's how it is. And and that's good. You know what I mean? There's there's no grey areas. So Just to go back to to what Martin was saying as well, and I said this during the AGM the other day, I do think Berwick Rangers Supporters Club deserve an awful lot of credit. I saw a lot of the, the the kind of criticisms firsthand of the decision that was taken that night in the immediate aftermath. And it was understandable because there's so much uncertainty. I don't even think the supporters club themselves knew exactly where it was going to go from, from there and probably certainly didn't expect it to go quite as well as it has done. But ultimately they are the organization who kind of sparked the turnaround that we've seen. So for all the, the great work that we've seen from the board, from volunteers and all the great backing we've had from fans, it, is, it ultimately comes down to we wouldn't be in this position if a very difficult decision and action wasn't taken that night and as uncomfortable as it was for all, I think it's to their credit that they did, they did challenge the club and you know have tried to, to make us a lot better. Um, off the back of the, the meeting with the supporters club, what's, what's the plans for the next 12 months? Um, well, we're placing kind of a big emphasis on modernising and I think the... Um, monthly draw is indicative of that. I mean, COVID hit. We we were planning to introduce a new a replacement for the weekly scheme. Obviously, Conrad is seventy six or seventy seven now, so he's done amazing work for the football club over the years. And I think by his, um, I think he's lying there. He was seventy six, seventy seven, ten years ago. <laughs> he's at it. By his uh, by his own admission, he was maybe aye, looking to looking to move on, and obviously COVID came in, and he was unable to go out and visit people because obviously everybody who was in the weekly scheme, Connie went and collected money from, or pretty much no one paid online. COVID allowed us to change the draw at that time. Um, and so far, it's been massively successful. Um, we've pretty much transferred a lot of people over from the weekly scheme to the monthly draw, although we would still like to transfer more people over. We've transferred pretty much everybody from cash and hand payments to um, stand and order payments, which is massive. Um, I think the, the only places we collect money from now are Highfield, the Highfield Shop in Berwick and the Mason's Arms out in Norham. So we have just shy of 400 
members now and I think we have maybe 20 to 25 who are paying by cash so it's been a massive shift and obviously we've got other than the £1,000 um, prize and the £250 um, charity donation every month, we've got no other outlay um, with that unless an agent wins. Um, so we can only see it becoming more and more profitable as more and more people sign up. And obviously we're incredibly grateful to, to Kev who signed up and also a couple of other players as well, uh, Callum Smith and Kev Waugh signed up as well as uh, some former players as well. So Stevie Notman. Yeah, I need to know my number, actually. So you can you could palm me off every month. I could win and I'll look in. Well, <laughs> would have been in your original email, like so. I think you changed your email address actually, didn't you? Uh, I bet I won. I bet I won already, and they just not told me. No, no, sadly not, sadly not. Um, so now the monthly draws it's been massive for us, um, and something that's going to be- become even more profitable for us moving forward. So, um, and in terms of um, in terms of membership. Um, and well, sorry, I'll, I'll talk about the committee first. And um, we obviously introduce yourself, Adam, and Mark Swanson onto the committee. Um, both of you are live outside of Berwick, and again, just talking about the club 1881. And um, we, we kind of looked at that stat a couple of weeks back when it came out that 66% of the people who'd signed up were from our town. So we wanted to place an emphasis as a, as a supporters club to reflect that on our committee. Um, so. Obviously, we've hosted Zoom committee meetings for four months now, and it's been very successful, arguably more efficient because people go down less rabbit holes talking about other stuff that's not necessarily on the agenda. Um, I'm probably a bit to blame for that myself, but, uh, <laughs> but no, they're more efficient. And again, hosting Zoom meetings allows us to, to get out-of-town supporters onto the committee and and. T- like help give a fresh perspective about um, about what it's like to be a Berwick fan from out of town and what the sports club can do for them. Um, so hopefully, if this is going out Monday, um, we should have details about our membership for the the twenty twenty one season, which was obviously postponed um, because of uh, because the AGM was postponed um, until Thursday. Because we're hoping to host it in person, but it just got to the point where it wasn't going to be possible. Um, so yeah, that was a, a lot of good things happening, and hopefully, hopefully this year's will be less taxing, less um, less time spent worrying about certain things. Because as we say, we're we're delighted with the trajectory that the club appears to be on now, and you know, can be happy with how things are going. How would you like to be in with a chance of winning a thousand pounds every month? If that sounds appealing to you, because it sure does to me, you need to join Berwick Rangers Supporters Club's monthly draw. For just £5 per month, you'll go into a draw with hundreds of other Dream Team supporters to win the monthly jackpot. In addition to the £1,000 prize, the Supporters Club will be donating £250 each month to a chosen local charity, with the rest of the profits from the draw going to the football club. For details on how to sign up, visit berwickrangers.com or message the supporters organisation on Facebook, Berwick Rangers Supporters Club, or on Twitter at BRFC Sup Club. Berwick Rangers Supporters Club, supporting your club and your community. What's your current involvement with the club? Um, much similar to Dale, part of the part of the media team. So me and Dale take care of sort of like the the day-to-day content regards and regarding sort of like if sponsorships have come in, if 
um, sort of like the connection with the juniors, for example, we would take care of the press releases, etc., for that, um, and the, obviously the management of the social media accounts as well for that. Um, and yeah, working with Nathan, who who, um, who I've known since I was probably about four or five. So the the connection there is that um, my parents live next door to Nathan's dad, so um, and have done for the best part of twenty years. So um, we would always be outside the front playing football with one another, and and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of we both kind of Nathan moved away to uni in Leeds and then got his job, and then I went to uni got a job in Glasgow for four years and it's kind of come full circle to, to be back sort of speaking day to day um, with regards to Barrett Rangers. So that's, it's, that's, that's been pretty cool. Who have your favourite players been over the year? I, I, I was thinking this and I, I, the amount of memories that I have of, of the football club is, is quite low. Like I can, I, I, my dad took me to the game against Rangers in 2002 and then I spent a bit of time after that with Nathan we would be ball boys. So I think he, he maybe mentioned in the podcast episode that he was on, that he was a ball boy. So Everybody's yeah. been a ball boy at Berwick. I, I probably ah, Everybody. Everybody comes on here, I was a ball boy. Uh, and there also would be a yeah. ball boy at Rangers game. There must have been about 400 ball boys. <laughs> I, I, I didn't really like it, because eh? I lived in fear of the ball going over the speedway fence, because I couldn't climb it. <laughs> Used to never be never get to be able to go behind the goal either. Pappy and all that ruled ruled behind the goal, so it was always probably plonked in front of the away fans or in front of the ducket. And then kind of obviously the promote the prom, the oh six oh seven. Like I can't even remember anything from that game. Like, but uh, certainly remember being on the pitch at the end. And that's probably that's probably it for that. Um, yeah. It's funny that was I wasn't he on the pitch at the end. Nah. I would have been taken off. I was away. I had my, had my flip-flops on as you keep referring to Adam, eh? Yep. Where were your boots? Deal had them. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I remember I was gutted because my mum and dad wouldn't let us go to the Stenny game the week after. Because well, what I would have been... Oh, did more... you not go? Nah, nah, I wasn't allowed. It was the inflatable day, wasn't it? I was shan that, like... I mean, somebody had an inflatable goal and basically whoever got, like, folk could be going up, like, trapping people in the inflatable goal and then absolutely hammering them. It's nobody even watching the game. Like, I think whenever they scored, we were celebrating. You've had a few experiences at Steny, though, Dale. So some, sometimes where you've maybe not lasted the duration of the game. I can't even mind. There's one where we've, we've not gotten at all. Uh, well, and there's a couple before that when was it no somebody booted the back of the fence and you know, I it wasn't wasn't even me, Stuart straight up hoying is it? There was the other time as well. I had the hip flask. And it was uh, full of, I wouldn't mind. It was only full of Mad Dog and uh, the uh, Stuart comes up, like takes it off as like starts threatening us with a jail and that, and then I go to get it back at full time. All that is staying in that, and uh, he's sniffing it. He's going, "Is that Tia Maria?" I'm like, "No." The, I think it was the first Rangers away game when they were in the when they were in the league. And, uh, we got the late. I'm sure most folk got the later train up. And George George Thompson got the half nine half nine one up. Oh, aye. I think he'd had two bottles of vodka on the on the train up. And then I, I just remember coming at the pub before going to the game and looked over at this bus stop and there he is, and slouched in the bus. <laughs> Do you know? Remember when we got to the Weatherspoons? He was he was already like. Absolutely gone, and he was spewing into his plate. 
was breakfast. <laughs> that was uh, and, then was that... and then we saw him in the bus stop, Mike. He's not he's not gonna make the game. And then and ended up getting into the getting into the stadium and here he is, just like two rows below us. Like, how the hell did that happen, Mike? Was that the one where I uh, was trying to leave at half time? Ah, you were, right? You thought the game was over at half time, man. Eh? I was having a go at everyone, saying they're not coming out for a third half. <laughs> I think I've done it at Clyde as well. Um, I was at a mind, I was, I was stood at the, on the platform with Pappy and Trotter, and I'm going, what was the score again? I can't even mind the game. And like, they're still playing. I'm like, <laughs> and I, we got the, I think Ian Beresford mentioned it the other week, that game where the, the Wraith away, where the, the bus got hit by the, the turn of the, or the baby, <laughs> unreal. Yeah, he bypassed two two blokes on a on Got motor, med. Uh, yeah. just in this field next to Edinburgh City bypass, and then the next thing, just the the bus window gets absolutely shattered. And that the that cool again that you mentioned, Dale. The, oh. About fifty of us hunched in this brick building, like, and it was maybe the brick building was maybe about six and a half, seven feet tall, and everyone's just. Crowded into it because it was it was probably the heaviest rain I've experienced at a game. We had the, we had the flag laid out in front of the team. <laughs> we to pick it up after the game. It weighed about a ton. The flag, the the stand was so close to the like to the line that the flag was literally on the pitch. I mean, the way up to that day was absolutely ridiculous. I think we'd had to leave at like half six, seven a.m. or something because it's that far away. Aye. And uh, that was obviously the day Mike Bell came along and. We're drinking like these bottles of tequila with worms in it and that, and it's half eight in the morning. And I think we had maybe stopped to pick some folk up at Glasgow and were they no wearing fancy dress? I don't know why. And uh, they got on the bus and just straight away, everybody's hammered, just absolutely giving them pelters. They're only two in fancy dress. Was it no um, Michael and Dom or something? Possibly, aye, possibly. And then, uh, and then obviously the flare got hoid onto the pitch, didn't it? Aye. aye. There's, there's that image on. Google Images are just Lee Curry looking at it, just completely unimpressed. Aye, that's class. No, not guilty, by the way. That wasn't me. I'm not taking responsibility for that. Who was it? Uh, I do know who it was, but I'm not saying. I wouldn't like to incriminate the man. He's a fine chap. And that brings us to a close of this week's episode. Thank you very much to Dale Jones and Martin Ingalls for joining us as our guests. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please tell your friends, family, and followers. We are taking an extended break, so we'll be back in a fortnight. Stay safe. And we'll speak to you soon.